A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. about ordinary people living revolutionary lives and welcome back my friends i'm kevin garcia i am glad you're here i am so busy um i was out last week because it was the freaking finals week i did it i completed my first semester of grad school are you proud of me thank you so much for your love and affirmation (laughs) um a couple of announcements before we jump into the conversation the q christian fellowship conference is happening In January, you need to get registered by the 31st if you still plan to attend. And I hope you do. Whether you're in the Chicagoland area or you're traveling from afar, I know for me, the Q Christian Fellowship Conference has been a really fantastic place to meet uh, other queer Christians from across the globe. Um, It's exciting to see um, old friends make new ones and then also get to learn from some amazing speakers. With that being said, I want you to come to QCF. I'm going to be there. I'm doing a whole lot. I'm doing worship. I am leading a workshop on sexual ethics. I'm leading, uh, I'm actually not leading, I'm on a panel on sexual ethics with the executive leadership team, plus a couple other people. And on this on this platform, there's going to be people who are representing sex positivity, non-monogamy. Um, it just get, makes me really, really excited to have that kind of diversity represented on a QCF stage because they've never had that before and it's pretty dope to me um, and the last thing I'm doing is I'm having my first ever live show um, at QCF which is really really exciting and I also have those times, dates, everything um, the first thing is uh, my podcast which is going to feature my friends Matthias Roberts and Caitlin J. Stout they're coming on the show to give some decent advice out and then a awesome interview with Lisa and Michael Gunger about their newest body of work as well as their books and things like that that's happening 1230 to 2 on Friday so it's like a little bit of a short lunch break but grab your lunch come back hang out it's going to be fantastic and then Saturday um, 3 o'clock is my workshop uh, or is the panel and then at 430 is my workshop called Let's Talk About Sexual Ethics so lots of sex, lots of worship this weekend. Who knew that those two things could go hand in hand? I did, because this is stuff I love to talk about. LOL. Moving on to my conversation today. Um, I'm talking with my buddy, Melissa Green. Uh, Melissa Green lives in Nashville, and she's a speaker, singer, curator, pastor, and writer. The first 10 years of her professional ministry career were kind of spent traveling as an artist, and she sang contemporary Christian worship music in Avalon. Um, it's an American Music Award Inspirational Artist of the Year in 2003, Grammy-nominated in 2005, and a Dove Award-winning group. In 2009, Melissa resigned from her touring and was immediately hired at Grace Point Church, a progressive Christian uh, church out there. Um, after that, Melissa actually began a, a really cool community called Imaginarium, which is a kind of just like progressive spiritual community, not necessarily Christian. And we actually talk a lot about that in our conversation about what it looks like to transfer kind of like transition beyond what it, uh, what a Christian is or, uh, post-Christian or formerly Christian now just spiritual. It's a really interesting conversation as someone who has been struggling with my own faith for the past few months. It was a really refreshing conversation where I got to express a lot of my doubts and Melissa's amazing at holding space for people. So we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna be talking about progressive faith. We're gonna be talking about all the things really. 
So why don't you grab yourself a nice cup of coffee and let's jump into this conversation with my friend, Melissa Green. So how you doing, girl? I'm doing well. I'm just driving back from Atlanta to oh, Nashville. You were in my city and you did not tell me we gonna fight. Well, it was super fast. I no, 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 I'm joking. Yesterday. <laughs> I drove in yesterday afternoon for the Troy Sivan concert. Oh, dope. I had some friends who were going to that. It was so good. I have... So... So good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. What are you listening to in the background? Uh, nothing. Just the road. I had... I oh, was... you know what that is? That is um, my Spotify playlist continuing to go in the background of oh. call. <laughs> I can like, hear it on my end. I'm like, oh, this is so delightful. But, uh, uh, you're like, not do she it. likes my <laughs> it's my taste of music <laughs> <laughs> um well cool thanks for uh hopping on the line i'm glad you're with me of course thank you for asking yeah um so i already hit record so that i don't forget to do that um Lovely. and just know that if there's anything that you don't want to talk about or you want off the record you can let me know in the middle of our conversation okay. and i can edit that out later okay and great. um yeah so how about to start off you can just um if someone doesn't know who Melissa Green is, who you are, what you're about, um, give the people like the, the cocktail party pitch. Like, who are you? What do you do? What's your thing? Oh, the cocktail party pitch. Well, I am 39 years old, turning 40 next year. Yeah. Really excited about that, actually. For sure. Um, I grew up in Florida, live in Nashville, lived here for close to 17 years. I'm married. Uh, it'll be 17 years next year um, to a lovely human named Ben. We have two kids, a 12-year-old boy named Hutch and a 9-year-old girl named Haven mm. um, who keep us very busy and very happy and very crazy all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a bit of a renaissance woman. <laughs> I do a lot of things and enjoy doing a lot of things and have been uh, able to travel the world and sort of follow my dreams. And I was an artist for a bit. And then I pastored a church and uh, was ordained for eight years. Or let me say that in reverse. I was ordained and then helped pastor a church for eight years. Um, I resigned from that for lots of reasons, which we will probably get into, Mm -hmm. um, two summers ago and started a fresh expression of a spiritual community called Imaginarium here in Nashville. And so I do that and I, I really feel like I'm in the worth business, reminding, uh, individuals of our worth, our connection to each other and the world around us and our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, And I try to let that guide me and lead me. And that's the kind of work I want to be about. Yeah. When I first met you, it was Wild Goose like two, three years ago. Yeah. Something like that. And the thing that just like struck me about you and your whole crew is that y'all are, uh, y'all been doing something really different um, with uh, spiritual expression. Like you kind of put it like, with Imaginarium and the way you are fostering spiritual community outside of a traditional church setting. So if you wouldn't mind, like unpack Imaginarium for a second, like what it's about and, you know, why that versus just sticking in like a traditional church setting. 
Yeah. So after I grew up in the church, um, and then was a contemporary Christian music artist. And so was involved in professional ministry for 10 years. And then, as I said, pastored a church, co-pastored, I was associate pastor, I should say, um, for eight years. And I found that the institutional side of religion, um, consistently hurt people. It Mm. consistently, uh, the humanity was lost in it in light of people trying their hardest to maintain an institution. Yeah. Um, and after watching that continue to harm people, including myself on the journey, um, I just started to dream, what would it look like to create, um, a community centered around values instead of doctrines mm-hmm. and everything for me that I learned and know of the story of Jesus, um, and the life of Jesus, uh, for me, Jesus was about the humanity in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started to try to figure out and in the midst of sort of being hurt by the institution and the church, um, that dream then began to be, how can I make this a reality? And so Anna Skates and I, um, Anna also worked at the church that I worked at. She was a children's pastor. And as we decided we wanted to resign and leave that um, specific community or institution, I should say, and the institution of Christianity as a whole, we just started to say, how can we transcend and include? How can we take so much of the beauty of what we've experienced about community and about people and um, even some of the beauty in the uh, organizational side of things, like the structural side of things? And how do we take that and not um, do the things that seemingly continue to hurt people? And we had Muslim friends and um, just people outside of Christian institutional (laughs) people in our lives. And we thought we want to create a community that has space for all of us and a diverse community. Um, and that we believe all of life is spiritual. So we wanted to name it spiritual, uh, that we're a fresh expression of a spiritual community. And we realized the more that we can enhance, um, the human experience, the more that we're enhancing our spiritual experience and, um, relating to and cultivating sort of the divine. Mm. So that's what we're trying to do. For a year in. Yeah. And how's it going? How's the, how's the community? <laughs> how, how's this little experiment for you uh, panning out? I mean, it's going well. It has all the challenges you could imagine because there is no roadmap for us. Um, we are, in essence, the analogy has been we're flying the plane as we're building it. Um, <laughs> but we're allowing a lot of sort of grace and all of that, that we have figured out some things like our vision is so broad that we can go a lot of different places. Like the vision comes back to imagining better world and intentionally making it. So, and then those three things I mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation, the idea that we are inherently connected to each other and the world around us, responsible to each other in the world around us and inherently magical of work. Um, And so everything just ties back to that. And as we push into that vision, we've learned we can go a lot of space, a lot of places and we've made mistakes along the way and just keep being self-critical and, um, 
adapting, like being willing to be flexible and adapt. And that's because we're trying to not institutionalize this thing, but all the while knowing that it, <laughs> that can easily happen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been good. And we've got a lovely group of people and we keep naming the diverse, big, broad dream and grateful for the people that show up and keep pushing ourselves towards the bigger thing. Yeah. That's actually true fact. Like I've just started seminary this past, uh, this past fall, like about, I guess I'm in week five of uh-huh. seminary. And Congrats, by the way, thank you. It's been challenging because I have been asking very similar questions to you about like whether or not I believe in the institution of the church any longer. Um, what does it look like to be a pastor in like the 21st century in a way that's effective for the people I'm meant to reach. Um, and cause I, and then it kind of scared me just like the question of just like, who do, what do I look like or who am I without Christianity? Who am I without the church? And like, honest to goodness, like about like two weeks ago, I went into full blown, like crisis of faith, panic attack. Um, I'm going to lock myself in my room until I can calm down sort of. Um, and it, it, it's just like, I, it, brought up all of these questions of just like right now I know where I'm supposed to be right now but just like going out from this afterward like there is so much I don't know like I sometimes even wonder like, am I even going to finish seminary because like right now like what I want to do and the dreams I have like don't feel like I don't know they don't feel like a traditional church sort of setting right, right. Um, and that's scary, especially like, yeah, I mean, you, you've gone through this, like the church was your profession and your life. And like, that's been yeah. the same thing for me. Like, even as like a queer Christian, like I just, I, I get scared trying to ask those questions. Hmm. Well, and that fear, I think it's honing in on what is that fear coming from? Right. Because I don't think the questions are in and of themselves wrong. I think we've been told on so many levels growing up in conservative spaces specifically for me that questioning things are wrong and you're gonna open Pandora's box and what I found is like Pandora's box and the paradoxes are beautiful and Mm -hmm. telling and very fitting in the human journey um and what's the fear right I, I I think that's been a huge part of my journey individually and my journey as a leader and really as a pastor, because I, I still consider myself very pastoral in the sense of having the privilege of coming alongside people and being a catalyst and helping to nurture, um, their greatest capacity, which I think is a, the spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think tapping into what's your fear coming from, where is the fear starting, um, will be our deepest work. Um, whether that's in Christian spaces or outside of Christian spaces. Um, I think that goes, I mean, that's behind all the problems seemingly, I think that are happening in our nation right now and in our world. Um, fear so often drives us. And I feel like if we can lasso that fear Mm -hmm. and figure out what it is and where it comes from, then we can begin to sort of pour water on that fire and push into the the fire that can burn some goodness, not some hate. So yeah, I think just like the first thing that comes to mind for me is like this this fear of um, loneliness because like the church creates for itself like its own community structure, its own 
roadmap its own kind of like expectations for everybody and so like within that i know where i fit or sort of and that's maybe i mean that's the other fear or like thing for me is like i sort of know where i fit i sort of know how this thing is supposed to go but honestly there's a part of me that's just like you know the conversations i'm looking to have um feel like they go outside of the norm you know like wanting to talk about something like an expansive faith wanting to talk about things that i'm learning from other religions or uh spiritualities outside of christianity like um like i put on my instagram a few like a lot just like the fact that i read tarot and people get freaked the fuck out about (laughs) we just did a tarot reading last night that's so funny oh dope did you do it yourself or did you like do it with a, a practitioner no, we did it. So the group that I went to the Troy Sivan concert with, they went and actually spent the weekend um, there early and they visited like a mystic shop. Um, they were staying right downtown. And so there's some mystic shop they walked oh, to. So they... Um, it was probably the one at uh, Pond City Market called uh, yes. Modern Mystic. Yep, 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 yep. So yeah. they went and brought the book and the cards and then they were sort of doing it all weekend. So when my friend and I, Abby, showed up, yesterday because we weren't there all weekend they ended up doing the reading so it was so interesting so intriguing Mm -hmm. and i love at the end which i assume they would do at the end of every reading which is basically this blessing like take what you will not this is your you know yeah um, this is speaking over you everything that needs to be said and you need to resonate with it it's it was more like take what you will from this thing but so much resonated so sorry anyways please tell me more (laughs) no but that's the thing just like i um because i had a spiritual experience with a friend of mine who's a uh an energy healer and when i first heard that i said this sounds like a a load of bullshit because (laughs) i've been conditioned to like look at all that thing with just like um with an eye that's so critical of anything that's not from a christian norm yeah, um, yeah. And then the thing that uh, my friend said to me was like, you know, do this with me and either nothing will happen and you'll be unchanged or something wonderful could happen and you could be changed forever. Right. And that experience led me towards just like looking into the ways that other people see the world, other faith traditions see the world. Yep. And there's so much from that that I've been starting to realize that I that I resonate with that goes beyond just um, the Christian expression. Then you add on top of that, like as I'm learning in seminary, like how the Bible was formed, how the Christian tradition was formed from an academic side of things. Yeah. There's this part of me that's just like, I don't want to say that like I'm seeing behind the curtain, um, you know, the man working all the letters. Um, uh, But there's a part of me that just like wonders that like, I already wonder, like, like how the church is going to survive, or like, is things like what you're doing, like imaginary, and like the next evolution of like spiritual journeys for people. Right. So I think uh, I resonate with so much of what you just said, and have made my way there, um, in for different reasons years ago. Because I'm just now in seminary too. I'm in my second year. Just so interesting that I chose to go get a master's of divinity as I've exited the church, (laughs) but it's been good. Um, thus far it's been really good, but I say that to say, um, I think it will be interesting because there's many people that are very peaceful within the Christian expression and I'm not out to tear that away from them or tell them, right. That that's wrong. 
But I think there's many of us for various reasons that haven't, and you do sense this lifting of the curtain and you find the, not the divine behind the curtain, you find the humanity behind the curtain. And then you start to realize that the divine is not hidden behind the curtain. The divine is actually everywhere. So what does that mean? Like, can Mm -hmm. we go explore? Can we go journey? Um, And that exploration for me has been life giving. I Mm -hmm. mean, it has been, freeing and life-giving and to seek truth wherever it may be found and seek and name like the sacredness of the earth and of humanity and to push into people and to be to come curious and open um is something that i've learned later in life and that has done me good i mean that's 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 done well for me, for me to step into this world and continue to um, almost give people and religion or all these things that you're mentioning, like go in giving it the benefit of the doubt. And then maybe, maybe truth is not found there. Maybe I find things that don't resonate with me and that's okay too. Like to be like, okay, it's not, everything is um, equal, but I don't know. It's a, it's a different lens to go into the world with and, it's, it's been beneficial for me and life giving. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people will look at you and me and say, is like, they're trying to tear down the church oh, and, or like they're trying to destroy the church. And I will say to some degree, like I'm totally down to burn the whole thing down because you know, it's, <laughs> it has, it has, it's like institutional problems and like the institutional yeah. problems feel so big sometimes that yeah. I'm just like, is it worth saving? Is it worth me trying to help? contribute to turn the ship around or is it worth it to let the whole thing burn down and just still carry Jesus with me anyways? Like what? And like, right. the, and the question I think about is just like, what if Jesus is leading me? And this is true of so many of my friends. What if Jesus is leading me out of the church? Listen, Come so that's on. the, this, that's the vision I had, Kevin. And I, so last year, no, two years ago, Christmas, a whole bunch of stuff was going on sort of internally within the structures of the church I was a part of and that I was helping to lead. And in the midst of that, I was really trying to discern like, cause I love these people and I mm-hmm. still love these people. Um, but I was trying to discern like what's next for me. And this was before I felt like I had any clear vision of Imaginarium and whatnot, but I had this vision and I, I don't say this lightly and I've not had visions in my life like this, but it was a very quick, very clear vision of Jesus tapping me on the shoulder and saying, when it helps use my name, otherwise you're continuing in my way. So keep going. Mm. And so I took that as I feel led out of this church. I mean, that's the path that became clearer and clearer, not just out of the church that I was helping to pastor, but out of the institution of church. Like the big and that, C church. The big C church. And in many ways, it was what you just named Jesus leading me out and me feeling like the way of Jesus and what I said earlier, what I know to be the life of Jesus and what I understand and am impacted by is I continue to carry with me. And I feel like I am still, you know, if there are, if there's good news to be found, I feel like I'm still a part of that good news, but Mm -hmm. it's not the good news that has been whitewashed or institutionalized or, you know, uh, made, uh, put together by the empire. I mean, I've done with all that. Yeah, not packaged and not marketed or. Yeah. So I'm with you. Yeah. It's, 
it's weird and i'm also like i think it's weird that i'm like i guess it's not so weird i mean you started after the fact and i'm like starting uh, right (laughs) no and i'm i'm learning so much in seminary i think it's lovely for one to continue to know the foundations of this religion in which i was brought up and so many um, that I'm in community with are brought up in and, and still surrounded by, especially in the South, especially mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. South. Um, so I think there's beauty to know the history and the foundations. I also just in general, um, and, and this is the seminary that I'm a part of there, just so many of the classes we've done community organizing classes we've done. Um, I just did a class from Dr. Carlton Waterhouse on the life, theological ethics of Martin Luther King and the black church. And all of this information is so useful to me in the work that I'm trying to do as a part of Imaginarium, although it's not an institutional church. So Mm. like, it's still beneficial. And I hope that you'll find the same. And then if for any reason you don't, then you make decisions from there. But for me, it's been good and helpful Um, every once in a while. The, the thing I maybe get tired of doing, which it's often asked to do in seminary is like, let's talk about, you know, why you became a Christian or, or you need to defend why you're no longer a Christian. And I'm just, I'm tired of defending it. I'm just living, I'm living my life. And if, Wait, if they, he, but they, they literally ask you to just say, so why aren't you a Christian anymore? Well, that comes up in conversations with students and sometimes in class, depending on what type of a class it's like, there's a you know, in, in so many words, they're asking, they just want to know, and they want you to, to be able to defend it. And I, in general, tired. I, I no longer put any effort towards defending my reasonings for leaving. Like, I'll tell I mean, my story, you know. I mean, because but... at the end of the day, it's like, my reasoning is like, it no longer resonated with me, and it didn't serve me. Right. And just right. like, if, if there's a, if there's a spiritual path that's not causing you to flourish, then why would anybody stay a part of that? Right. Like I look at, I have so many, I had a friend of mine a few years ago who she was super, um, like, uh, she's like, I, she's like, I don't think I want to be a Christian anymore. I'm just like, okay. And like (laughs) for that, her was like the most freeing thing to just be able to just like drop that label. Right. Um, but like being, but I remember her being so scared of, of that. And that's something that I think that I'm possibly experiencing right now is like, I still, like Jesus, I still love the teachings of, of the Bible. And I love the, like the, the arc of the Bible and how when viewed through like the, like a good liberation lens or um, Asian feminist theology or Muharista mm-hmm. theology, I can see how like this story can be used for so much good. And it's almost just like, yes, I am a Christian, but then I also feel like so much more than that. Mm, you know, that's lovely. Yeah. I feel like there's like, it's kind of like what you said, like there's this feeling of like, I'm feeling appeal towards like transcendence and inclusion, like taking the things that I've had so far and continuing even further down this path of where I'm discovering more of where the spirit of God is moving. Yeah. And trying to do that in a way that like, doesn't, I think, I guess the, the, the the thing I'm afraid of with losing the church is like, (laughs) I think about like, um, how it's, currently financially very good for me to stay a Christian um, because like a lot of my work is with queer Christians and helping them like reconcile faith and sexuality. And what's interesting is just like, I don't even know if I'm like, I've reconciled my faith and sexuality and it's grown to a point where like, I don't, I don't know how much like I care as much. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just, it's many, many, many questions. No, I know. Yeah. I've been there. 
I totally. And I, yeah, it's not been financially fruitful for me <laughs> to have left the church, <laughs> but it's real peaceful. I'll tell you that. I, I mean, like, what is it, what is it good? Does it for somebody to gain the whole world, you know, and have, mm. and have a real good paying job, but lose their soul. You know what I'm saying? Mm, there you go. It's so interesting. So tell me real quick, like, what is like, um, a meeting at Imaginarium like when y'all come together? What does it, what does it feel like? Yeah. Okay. So we meet twice a month on Sunday afternoons at a nonprofit in town called Thistle Farms. That's who we rent from. And they are an amazing organization in and of themselves. Um, so we were happy to partner with that, with them. Um, so we meet at three 30 and we are multi-generational. That was one of our big pushes, um, in this type of a community. And so we start out all together from birth through, um, adult. And we have three spiritual practices now that are part of every gathering. One is called tell me something good that we sing with the theme song, obviously. Mm. And, um, Mm. we name the good in our world. So name the good in your week or in your work or in your family or that, you know, is happening in our nation or in our world. It just becomes a practice of naming the good and giving. There's so much of what we do that give our people voice because we want them, especially those that have come out of, uh, church spaces, they're not used to using their voice. And that ties back to not fully understanding their worth. Hmm. Um, and their value. And so a lot of what we do is helping them understand their worth and value in that literal hour, in that space that we have together and in their life in the world. So it's a practice of tell me something good. And then we do a practice, um, what we're calling a naming practice, um, where you are introducing yourself to the room, but also sort of claiming your space. Um, and then some of us, and we talk about this, some of us are naming our space and realizing that it needs to be smaller, that we often take up too much space and others of us need to name ourselves and introduce ourselves and take up the space that we deserve to take up in that Mm, room that people aren't often used to doing that. And so it's a introductory practice. And then the third is called, um, stop, breathe, know your worth. And we put our hands together and tap each of the our finger pads to the other, so a pinky to pinky, um, all the way through the thumb. And mm-hmm. as you do that, um, it's an embodied practice. That's one thing we wanted to do because we're trying to remind ourselves of the goodness of the body. And uh, you say, stop, breathe, know your worth. And children actually lead that for us. Mm-hmm. So we get them on the mic in front of the room, um, and they lead that. And there's it's just really precious to hear these little voices do it, but it's also lovely for them to be reminding us as right now they're in this lovely space where they love their bodies and their body is good and with them. And we as adults need to be reminded of that as well. So we do those spiritual practices and then we dismiss and the littles go with Anna into a separate room. And then our adolescents, which they call themselves peeps, they go um, outside onto our patio for conversation and then the adults stay in um, with me and either I'm teaching, it's sort of split up half and half, either I'm teaching on a subject and we do dialogue and conversation or we're bringing in guest speakers um, from the outside or from inside the community Um, because a huge part of our vision was that this would not be hierarchical, that it would not be centered around Anna and I, even as we founded it together or any one person, um, and that it would be very diverse representation. So we're constantly 
that's been another huge thing that I've learned this year as a white woman, um, with the platform in Nashville, starting a community is how to, um, not just long for the diverse vision that we have for a diverse community in all the aspects to come to fruition, but how to do that well. And that comes in building actual relationships. So it's been the first year has been us like going out and actually starting relationships for people to understand who I am and the vision that we have and hopefully choosing to be a part of it. And us in the meantime, getting donations and money so we can pay people what they deserve for them Mm. to be a part of it. So, so yeah. So the last meeting, we just started a series called America and its social constructs. And I taught on the background of, or the social construct of race and race in America. And then we've done, um, the second part of that was on the life of Martin Luther King based off the lead of my, um, class and, uh, Dr. Waterhouse. So we did that in the black church. And then this next one will be on looking at the difference between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and the black Panther party and the difference between the nightmare and the dream and how both are still a reality in America. And that will lead us up to an event with Robin Henderson Espinoza, um, who's leading dismantling supremacy culture. That's at the end of the month. So that's sort of what's happening in October, but those gatherings are that that's basically how our gatherings are set up. And sometimes we have music. I try to put excellent content um, in front of our people and to, for us to sort of be lavished on. So we made lots of fun connections with artists here in Nashville, whether they're dancers or musicians, singers, songwriters, poets. Um, mm-hmm. So we try to include the arts when we can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we're trying to grow. I mean, ultimately we're trying to come together build a community that will link arms with the greater Nashville community um, that will be collaborative and ultimately be growing us and maturing us um, into our fullest capacity that should then benefit the world in which we live. That's fucking dope, dude. (laughs) Thanks. Mm. Thanks. That like gets me like real jazzed up and excited and like oh my gosh they're actually talking about things that actually matter what a what a thing well we're trying Uh. yeah we're trying I think that's the other thing I learned in the church is we for me it was in the capital c church you felt this need to prioritize um the learning specifically of the bible and the stories of the bible which is all lovely I've I've benefited from that and use those stories to help shape my life. But to understand the further I got in liberal Christianity specifically, that the Bible was a tool in a constellation of tools and that then what we taught when we got to gather together with people, if we just kept promoting the teaching solely of the Bible, we were missing out on what was happening, especially the devastating things that are happening within our world and humanity. Um, and in an off, like, let's do a book study. You know, you get 20 people to the book study and you'd have 400 people on Sunday morning. It was like, well, when you have the 400 pe- people together, I think there may be some other things we need to be teaching on. Mm. Um, but it didn't make sense in the church. So then I was like, well, let's go build a community where it makes sense. Mm. I love this. <laughs> I need to come hang out in Nashville is what I'm hearing. Please. Ugh. The most. I, I just, um, thank you. For your, for this and your story and just, I, 
<sighs> it makes me feel a lot less alone in this whole, you know, questioning. Because, like, right now, like, I told myself I'm at least going to finish the first semester. And then, <laughs> you know, and then, um, and probably just keep going. Because, like, I know that I, I know that I want to finish this. It's just, like, it's hard in, in certain moments. So, no, really gives I me know. Help. I get it. It's weird. Weird times, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, believe me, I've gone through all the questions of just in general, the institution, like education as an institution and the trappings of that frustrate mm-hmm. me on many levels and that we're playing into this game, which is ultimately still playing into patriarchal supremacy culture in which we live and figuring out when you play the game to help dismantle the game and when you walk away from that game because in essence, it's hurting everybody. That's that. Those are my biggest questions as, as a human, as a leader, as a pastor, as an eight on the Enneagram. Girl, same. <laughs> when I know, I know. So when, and I, this is part, I, what I talked about two years ago at Wild Goose, which I think will be my first book whenever I get around to it, but it's that idea of burning bridges and when is it valuable to burn the bridges? And I think sometimes it is valuable and that's what I've learned in my journey Um, But you do that, you're not burning bridges out of uh, retaliation, you're burning bridges out of redirection, Mm -hmm. and redirection that benefits not just you, but benefits actually everyone involved, whether Mm -hmm. the others realize it or not. I mean, that was my journey out of that church. Um, But sometimes, as an eight, we like to burn bridges because we like the fire and the drama. (laughs) Girl, talk dirty to me, please. Yes. But so that, yes, learning when to walk away from the matches, but yeah, and and that's the that's the question, isn't it? It's just like you know, when do I build a bridge? When do I burn the bridge? And it's just it's it's so hard. It's, I think it's it's especially tough for me, maybe like to speak from an eight's perspective, and mm-hmm. but like I have trouble seeing things from other people's perspectives. Um, in in as much as like um like in from an institutional perspective when i look at that and i say like y'all this is this is not helpful this is something that's caused harm why are we still doing this and then because like there are so many people who will look and say well like this is what the church has done for me and like you know you know a litany of good things Mm -hmm. um and it's it is just it is it feels difficult and it feels lonely sometimes and I don't think this is an eight thing. I just think that's anybody who's like having these kind of questions. Yes. Yeah. Just, um, because all all I want at the end of the, I guess like if there's this thing at least like you know if I'm being real honest with like, at the end of the day like I just want to know that I belong somewhere. Mm. And I think that there is there's this longing in so many people that like, that we just want to know that we're going to be cared for, and maybe even like if we want to go back to childhood wounds of an eight. That we're not going to be betrayed. Yeah. And I think that is like the scariest thing to ask for or to do is to learn how to trust in a group of people or to trust in anybody and trust that they have your best interests at heart and that they actually are going to follow through on their promises to you, that they will stand by you and that they will love you and that they will support whatever journey you're on. And that's scary for me to like wonder, like wonder outside of the norm. Okay, two things. Two things that I've learned. One that I heard someone say at a retreat recently that I want to pass along because it's been so good for me. But let me go to the second first. 
I think I have learned that you will be betrayed and you will be okay. <laughs> you will Sorry. be okay. No, I mean, that is a damn good lesson to learn. It, I, I am still willing to go in trusting people and giving people the benefit of the doubt all the while holding the paradox that I will be betrayed because it has happened over and over again with people and the people that I would have never thought um, would betray me are no longer journeying a life with me. Like that's happened and that's a reality. And guess what? I'm still okay. Mm. Like I am okay. And so I think betrayal does not equal death. Betrayal yeah. does not equal you not being able to exist in this world. Like I just, I'm, I'm willing to hold that paradox now yeah. and, and I've found peace with it. And then the second thing, so the, or the first thing. Um, so at that retreat, I think, I think it was Felina Hiritz. Um, and if it wasn't, she would say something like this. So she deserves to be quoted, <laughs> but she said, I found something to the extent of, I found, I was so worried about not belonging to the church or to the said community or to the said group. And in realizing in stepping out of that space where I needed so much to belong to them, I realized that I actually belong to the whole world. And what does that mean? Like, mm. what kind of a comfort can that bring us? And I mean, yeah. that's where, that's where I'm standing today, Kevin, is like feeling like, okay, we belong to the whole world and building a community, even like Imaginarium. I'm trying to create a community that would have space and a table to fit the whole world, knowing that I'm going to make mistakes and I'm going to miss out on the type of chair for the type of person that I'm not seeing well. And I need to figure out my lenses and how to mm -hmm. keep clearing them up and that will journey in that. But that's what we are trying to do. That's what I'm trying to understand. And that God and the universe is all of it. And it's all sitting mm -hmm. here. They have the seeds of goodness in us and in this world and let's go cultivate and water that wherever we can find it. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, you know, we'll come across some weeds, but maybe we find out that the weeds are prettier than the flowers we picked. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, Honey, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, you know, there it is. There it is. It starts off a little tiny thing and then it takes over the whole damn garden. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's a weed. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Everything you were just saying right now, um, uh, braving the wilderness, Brene Brown. Ah, uh, yeah. Just like, what does it look like to also to belong to myself as well? Yes. Oh gosh. To that... have this sense of home within my own body and person and know that like the validation I'm seeking, I actually like the tarot reading I did yesterday, like, rem like was talking directly to this. Like, why are you worried about like trying to get validation from other people? Like, mm -hmm. God has already validated you. God has already given you the permission slip. Why are you can like, what is like, what, how many times, and this is the idea of karma, right? That you just go through the same mm -hmm. thing until you learn the lesson. Yeah. I'm just like, how many times am I going to go through this thing, through these same questions before I start realizing exactly what you just said? Right. Huh. Yeah. I found, I think that some of our deepest work to do in general is, is helping us and helping individuals understand, like, that's why I am magic is sort of one of our phrases that we use, like helping, I think before you can get on to having and understanding the deeper connections that we have to each other and the human family and the earth and the world um, and the divine, 
Um, and then our responsibilities, you have to understand who you are and your mm -hmm. place mm -hmm. and your capacity and your worth and existence and how Dang. much that matters. Yeah. Mm. So. Dang. <laughs> Dang. Come visit Nashville. <laughs> On my way. Hey, you know what? Sign me up. I'll come. I'll come do something. I don't know. Great. Hang out, participate, sing a speak, song, read a poem, speak. Oh, yes, you sing too. I forget this. Oh, Aww. girl, you know I'm a worship artist at heart. I love it. <laughs> That was my conversation with my friend, Melissa Green. You can connect with Melissa across social media at Melissa Green. That's G-R-E-E-N-E. -E -E. And be sure to check out Imaginarium next time you're in Nashville or if you live in Nashville. They can be found at www.imaginarium.life. A Tiny Revolution is supported uh, in part by 145 amazing people on Patreon. If you didn't know what Patreon is, it is like literally the coolest and easiest way to support the creatives in your life that are making the content that matters. So if you think that this podcast is helpful to you in any way whatsoever, if the YouTube videos that I've been making have been uh, formative in your development, I would really love for you to become a supporting partner. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Garcia, and you can become a sustaining partner. Um, also... Be on the lookout on my social media for the Kickstarter campaign for Queerly Beloved Tees. Queerly Beloved is the t-shirt company I started with my Don, my, my Don, my friend Donald, and we are kind of just taking the means of production into our own hands. We're going to be uh, taking care of our own stock orders and filling orders and our own website, and it's just going to be a really a better way for us to serve people that we connect with to make better quality products and more products that we actually like and that you actually might, you know, want to wear. And additionally, like, it's just really cool. I'm becoming a business owner. So if you want to become a part of that, as well as getting us a lot of free swag, um, there's going to be amazing awards, rewards for that Kickstarter campaign. Not to mention there's amazing awards on Patreon. Like, I'm also releasing uh, my Christmas EP next week. So if you want to get on that, it's a special offer. It ends December 31st. Just become a patron at $10 or more per month. You'll get that. You'll get the meditations. You'll get the, the new podcast called Decent Advice, which premieres on Sunday, by the way. And what else is the hell's going on? So many things. Um, yeah, just go check it out. It's all on patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia. And I think that is everything from me. I'll see y'all at the Q Christian Fellowship Conference. Again, go to qchristian.org to get all the information there. I love you. You're beautiful. And uh, till next time, go, uh, go talk to your therapist, take your medication, drink some water, eat something delicious, move your body. I started working out again for the first time in weeks because I'm trying to like, you know, get a little sexy for the conference. I am looking for my mighty Boaz. If you're out there, um, slide into my DMs. They're open. And <laughs> until next time, my friends, uh, this has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.